What's up? What's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I'm Mr. Poon tonight with Brew Raiden. How's it going, sir? Uh, I'm very happy tonight. I, I got one bet right this weekend, uh, but I got the right one right. Um, it's been a good weekend. I made some hot sauce. That was fun. Thank you for the hot sauce. And uh, if I was Spurs fan, I'd not be very happy about the hot sauce that Arsenal poured all over them in that first half scintillating display. We will get to that. But before we go there, there were nine other games that happened. And we bet on all of those games. And Brayden, do you want to give us a rundown of how everyone did? Uh, yeah, so I already told you I uh, got one match right, the Arsenal match, to return 225 on this past week. Um, Will did slightly better. He got two right to return 510 virtual pod bucks on this week. And um, Sapoon was our winner of this week, and I'll, I'll use that loosely, um, returning 804 pod dollars and 52 pod cents. Like, it's a week of chaos in the Premier League. This happens from time to time. Uh, dust yourself off think about your process because uh, that like really sometimes when you get into this like uh, y- you know you have to check and see if you had the right thoughts and it just like things didn't work out I'm looking at you Burnley Nick Pope just coming out to do nothing at all but that's just me I'm not salty yeah I think Shara also went one, uh, one out of three in his three best bets so it was a chaotic weekend for sure and you know what I was just I just, I'm going to just say, I'm like the king of the 10 a.m. Uh, games on Saturdays. You want those right? Just hit me up because I got every single one of them correct. Outside of that, I got every single one of them wrong. However, we are going to go start at the 7.30 kickoff at the bridge. Chelsea nil, Manchester City won. A game that really could have solidified Chelsea as the firm, firm title favorites. Ended in quite a disastrous display from them, in my opinion. Uh, Manchester City, somewhat, I would say, I guess they took their chance and they scored and did their thing. Tuchel left. I mean, I guess you really need to talk about the law of averages because he had beaten Pep so many times in a row. At some point, Pep was going to have his chance. I didn't quite enjoy the game, primarily because it was a 7.30 kickoff. But um, outside of that, Braden, any thoughts? Yeah, I think this was a little bit of, you know, Pep coming around and, and just like putting everyone, I don't want to say unnoticed, that sounds like a football Twitter thing, but like, uh, you know, just kind of, I feel that people were been very aggressive on just talking about how like great this Chelsea team are, like how, you, I, I don't know, and some people you would have thought that like Tuchel invented being a difficult team to break down. Uh, defensively like uh, it's Chelsea have been very very good this this year so far but uh, like City also are a very good team they have a good manager they have a lot of talent there obviously they still wanted to get a number nine that didn't uh, get over the line but Gabriel Jesus is a guy who can score some goals like he's not that efficient but like if you get him chances he can score a few Um, so I City just came out and I, they have a nice shot chart. Like if you look at it, lots of goals clustered right around the middle of the 18 yard box. And and that's really kind of what I think you're looking for with the team is like you getting those, you getting those opportunities are going to put a couple away. And that's what happened for them this game. Like Jesus missed another good chance that could have gotten them two goals on the day. But like, that's part of what the city team are is they create a lot of very good chances over the course of the game and they will eventually put one away and see if you can keep up. And in 
in this case, uh, Chelsea weren't able to, and they really didn't do much on the other end. They had four shots, one of which was from a free kick. Like it, it was not a good showing from Chelsea, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I will agree with that. I think uh, they got a Champions League game and then a Premier League game after that to wrap up against Southampton, I believe, uh, before the international break comes around again. So we'll have to see how this whole situation goes. However, um, I'm not going to say warning signs or anything, but like as we have discussed before, there are multiple teams that can go out there and win the league this year. And this is another exhibit of essentially showing you that no team is too good this year. Hopefully, at least after the six weeks, that is what has really shown uh, so far. And we hope to see that more and more. And something that I do not hope to see more and more of is Aston Villa walking into Old Trafford and picking up a 1-0 win. Manchester United with three defeats in their last four competitive games in all competitions. Uh, Aston Villa won, Man United nil. Set piece conceded by uh, Man United, a corner, very decent goal for Aston Villa. I do have a question about that goal and why it was not reviewed. Um, and then a penalty that Bruno Fernandes completely skied at the end of the game to ensure Aston Villa was going to win 1-0. That penalty for me kind of summed up the whole game for Man United. Nothing was going right, even when the opportunity presented itself just wasn't there to be taken. Um, what are your thoughts? about the whole situation. And I don't know if you've seen the offside. Like, I think that should that should be given as an offside, given what the rule is, but they didn't even review it. Sometimes the way you see them go, and I think they're trying to make it quicker this year. And so I, I think a lot of times it seems like it's not reviewed, but really it's just like someone takes a look at it and says, nope, that's not clear and obvious and kind of goes keeps it moving on it um i'm kind of with you i think that probably should have been had a little bit longer look at it but uh, that's not what the premier league chose to do this week and you know we can go back into consistency and refereeing and all these decisions and how that goes because um uh, we'll talk about a few more this weekend that if you looked at var i probably would have been given in other games this weekend it just wasn't because there's a weird consistency of refereeing that's just like non-existent (laughs) in the premier league um so i i think you guys can feel a little bit hard done by i mean 1.9 in xg and not getting anything grant a lot of that was a penalty that was missed but uh united had a lot of chances uh maybe not a lot of the good chances that you'd really like to see i think that villa did a pretty good job like defending the like the the real close like six yard box around that area but united had some chances and, and probably should have put one or two away and it just i i don't know to me it just wasn't their day and it's like it's one of those things that just happens where it's just not your day um and this happens in probably league sometimes and and like trying to break down more than that isn't going to do any good it's just it didn't work today and and that's fine you pick it up and try it tomorrow yeah that is really the only mantra for Man United right now. Um, yeah, um, I think if I was only going to Solskjaer, which I'm glad I'm not right now, um, there are quite a few questions that are going to be asked. And sadly enough, people look at the result more than they look at anything else nowadays. So uh, his could be a very, very defining moment for his managerial career, Man United, 
with the Villarreal game coming up at home. Because I think if we start off on the back of two back-to-back group stage defeats in the Champions League, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, if they fire him at that point, there's not really a whole lot to say. Um, moving on to the next game, Leicester City 2, Burnley 2. You already talked about this. Nick Pope with an absolutely horrendous error against Jamie Vardy. And it happened right when I was like sitting there talking shit about Leicester and how terrible they look. Uh, Vardy goes on, gets a goal, makes it 2-2. And to be honest, I, I'm still not convinced that Leicester City are really as good as people make them sound like. They are. Vestergaard has not had a you know seamless transition into the Leicester defense. I think they still miss Fofana. They still may, uh, miss James Justin. But hey, all offseason, I heard they're making signings for their depth. Here we are. And um, not not convincing is what I would say so far, especially at the King Power. You need to be beating a team like Burnley if you have top four aspirations. Brayden. I agree with that. I think this is a if you look purely at XG, it tells you a specific story of the game, which was Leicester dominated. And and that's just not at all the feel that I get from watching the game. Now, granted, I know one of Burnley's goals was an own goal from Barty, a quite a decent header into his own net, but uh, that's another conversation. Um, And it just kind of felt like Burnley did the Burnley thing that they do and and try to score off a set pieces and, you know, got the one from the own goal and and that's kind of fine. And Lester kept plugging away and, and eventually broke the door down and, and, you know, maybe give them credit for a point, but I just think that, at home against Burnley, you should always fancy yourself to to win the game. Now, going to Turf Moor can be a different prospect sometimes. Like they do the like leave the get grass uh, an extra inch longer and, and like do all the kind of things that Burnley do to try to keep you from playing your game. But I felt that this was a little bit of a lackluster performance, and I thought that Burnley were pretty comfortable until there. It just took one moment of kind of falling to sleep a little bit, and Vardy was in behind. Because you know, I think I think some of the just leaving Vardy to run in behind with all his pace is is kind of gone in in the way that it used to be. But he still has a good movement, and so when it when the opportunity was there, he took it, and you know. I don't know what Nick Pope was doing. Like he came out and then just is like, Oh wait, no, I should probably shouldn't come out. And by that time, Vardy went around him and just, you know, coolly slot in the back of net and fair play, I guess. But, uh, Lester, Lester, just a team that I, I have yet to really be impressed by this season. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent agree with that. And, um, credit to Burnley too, though, to be honest, that first goal was spec should say spectacular, but a very well taken goal in my opinion. And, um, for what it's worth, it's the one team that you know what you're going to get every time you play them. And especially as you said, at home, when you don't beat them, um, and don't even put in a convincing performance, it is a worrying sign for a team that's trying to finish top four, but seems like Norwich city has taken it upon themselves to make sure they're not going to win a game. 2-0 at Everton, at Goodison. They were my choice for the Peckham League. And I was very, I mean, I might, this is my new strategy. Whoever Norwich is playing, I'm going to just keep picking them because this is, this looks like a, a season where Norwich probably are not going to win a whole lot of games. Everton, again, went out there, got the result. And I think I said it before about how Rafa Benitez is a better suited manager for a club like Everton than a Carlo Ancelotti is. And you're kind of seeing the results of that where Rafa Benitez can 
be a bit more hands-on and he isn't really out there like dealing with egos and such and you're seeing the results of Everton doing well. I fully agree with that. I think Benitez is a, a really solid choice for them overall. I think that he's, uh, you know, for all the things that Benitez is or is not, he is a good tactician. Like he is a guy who goes out and like instructions, like his players know the vision that he wants to wants them to play with. And they go out and generally execute it pretty well. Like even think of some of his Newcastle teams where he didn't have that much to work with and, you know, still at times could be difficult to break down and, and had like, you could see the way that they were trying to play and it made sense. And I, I think it's carried over to this Everton team. I, I think it has an identity. Like you see Decore stepping up and he really looks like a player this season. Like I, we talked about him a lot last year. We liked that signing, but it never really seemed to come off with Ancelotti. Like it seemed like he was there and he was fine, but kind of like a, an accessory piece to the team. And, and it seems like he's taking a much, much bigger role with Ancelotti or not with Ancelotti with Benitez there. And uh, Everton just clearly better in this game. Uh, and the, which is what you would expect at Goodison against Norwich. I think you're right about Norwich. I tried to convince you to take Watford against Norwich in the pick the week before. Um, Cause Norwich are just not a good squad right now. Like I, I don't, I, I don't really know what they're doing overall. Like I think they have a collection of some half decent players and then just guys who are championship level players. And I, I think that's what you're seeing right now. Yeah. I completely agree. Kind of um, not the best place uh, to be as far as Norwich is concerned, because I feel like they are going to be a sure shot uh, relegation contender, if not relegation favorite this season. Moving on to another team that is teetering on the line of being a relegation contender for this season. Leeds United at home won West Ham United to a come from behind win for West Ham. Uh, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed every second watching this game. West Ham, Mikel Antonio. I mean, the the guys on... It reminds me of when Dimitri Payet was doing bits at West Ham, but this is a bit more consistent than that so far. And to be honest, like, they are a team that if you are not at your best, um, they will punish you. And Leeds United currently seem way far from their best. And I think this was the first game since 2019 November that Patrick Bamford did not start for Leeds United. Wow, that's a that's quite the stat there. Um especially for well, I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm a Patrick Bamford hater, but I I don't necessarily love him as a player and it's that surprises me that he's been that much of a mainstay in that team. This match I I think you saw a Leeds team like they they went out they got the lead and then I don't want to say they necessarily like took the foot off the gas, but you know, they had a little bit unlucky of an own goal. And then I think from that point on, like West Ham were just clearly the superior team and it got paid off with Antonio's goal, which was a really, really good goal. The way he takes it and beats the man and, and you know, just blasts it in the back of the net. Like it's, it's one of those, again, like how did, how did managers see this guy's a right wing back for years? Like it just, it does not make any sense to me. Uh, he's, so effective up front, a, a very good physical striker, and and it's it's great to see. Like it harkens a little bit back to kind of some like an older style play that 
I think you used to see more of in the Premier League, and maybe it's going to make a comeback with uh, uh, some teams we'll talk about here shortly. But uh, it, it's just really Antonio is a guy that I just have a lot of fun watching. Like it's a lot of effort, a lot of physicality, and it's I, I just really, really enjoy it. Um, and and just quite the tidy finish as well. Uh, a great player. Um, Leeds. I mean, back to the drawing board. I guess like dropping points from winning positions like it's it, it feels like no lead is safe with leads in either direction whether they're you know coming for you after conceding a goal or two or they're up a goal or two and you're attacking their way it's like it just leads seems kind of fine but i i don't know i think they will figure this out but they're a little uninspiring to me right now I think that's putting it a little mildly. I, I have really enjoyed watching Leeds absolutely get lit up most of their games this year. And even though they have managed to get out a, a couple of draws here and there, like I think it, it is going to be imperative like moving forward that they win games. Like They're playing Watford, they're playing Southampton, and then they're playing um, Wolves. Like These are teams they will have to beat, in my opinion, at least two of them out of the three that I named in order to make sure they are not in a relegation battle like and and here's the only thing i'll say about leads and why i kind of everybody knows my um not as high an admiration for uh marcelo bielsa's tactics as people uh seem to hold him at but because of those tactics that make them so entertaining make them so enjoyable i don't think if it came down to like last 10 games they need to get results they are not going to all of a sudden be able to just park the bus and play like I, they're not a team like that. So they are going to have to accumulate points over the course of the season. So that's the only reason it hasn't been a good start for them. However, um, things can change. Yeah. I was going to say, I, to the point that like everyone thinks that Beals is a tactical mastermind. I, I agree. Like he is a, he's come up, he's had a system. He does that. And I think maybe, I don't want to say football has slightly moved on from it, but I think people have taken his work and improved on it. And I think that if you saw Bielsa at a big team, people would be a lot more aware of the tactics being exposed. But I think because he manages leads and everyone are like happy to see them as a plucky underdog that I think a lot of sins are forgiven there that maybe maybe isn't really the case. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that 100 percent. I yeah, uh, I once said the ideal replacement for Leeds United to, uh, after Marcelo Bielsa would be picking up his disciple in Maurizio Pochettino. So who knows? Maybe PSG fire him and he's ready to go. Anyway, moving on to the next game, Watford won, Newcastle won a game that I believe Watford took the lead, lead on and uh, at the very end, and not the very end, but in the second half that got cancelled. Um Watford won, Newcastle won. I don't have a whole lot of feelings about either one of these two teams. I'm glad Will is not here about to harp on for the next 10 minutes about Newcastle United and their fighting mentality. What do you have for me, Braden? This is a little bit of a new look Newcastle, I think. Like, I think they are a little bit more attacking. Like, they had two and a half XG in this game. Uh, Watford had 0.9. Like, it, it tells a story of Newcastle creating not just a volume of chances, but also pretty good chances. And then they just kind of leave Sar of all people unmarked on a set piece, and and he takes two points from them. Like it, it's really that simple. Like Watford didn't do that much except 
they showed up for a, a couple plays and and that was kind of different. So I I kind of like what Newcastle are doing this season. I, I don't want to get too carried away, but I, I think like they do have a couple players in there and I think they are playing a little bit more for Newcastle. <laughs> They're playing a bit more expansive, um, but th- they are letting a lot of their attackers just kind of go be attackers. Like, uh, except for like Joel Linton being in there, like you got say maximum, you've got uh, Callum Wilson who comes back, Almiron. Like, there's a lot of pace on this team, and I think they can cause lots of teams uh, some issues. And so, I think they're going to be fun to watch this year. But I, you know, a team like Newcastle just shouldn't really be exposed like that on a set piece. Like, it's one of those things that you expect the teams that are kind of fight like fighting to stay above relegation to be kind of like very, very drilled in the fundamentals and not make those mistakes. Um, even if they don't have the like swaggering attack that like other teams have. And I, I really kind of disappointed to see uh Newcastle concede like that. Yeah, that is very, very fair. And I mean, we just talked about Marcelo Bielsa and how he's lauded as this amazing tactician and you have Steve Bruce who, pretty much everybody makes fun of and you've got both of them after six games having the identical record in terms of wins losses and draws so and hey if you tell me Leeds United are entertaining I will also tell you Newcastle have been very entertaining this season so just gonna put that out there not trying to compare the two of them just so food for thought out there and you talked about Watford taking two points away from Newcastle. Brentford at home pulled off an absolutely stunning game against Liverpool. Um, Liverpool probably think they created enough chances. They were up 3-2 when Salah decided to chip it like me on pro clubs and uh, Mane did not finish his chance right after that. And when you see things like that happen, you just away at a stadium like that, like you sense that there could be an equalizer coming and that's ultimately what happened. Uh, Brentford brilliant goals uh, to really put three past Liverpool after all the chatter about how great they are defensively this season. Um, Three very, very good goals from Brentford and yeah, I mean Liverpool's top of the league, but like this was a game where if they had won and had those two extra points, they start creating that separation from game week six with three points ahead, but now they're only a point ahead. Yeah, it's absolutely an opportunity lost for Liverpool, in my opinion, like you said, to to go and put a little bit distance between them and the other teams. And and they didn't take it. Like you said, Monty missed a chance. Salah trying the chip there. Like, I I don't know if that's just trying to be too cheeky or, or what. Like It certainly felt like when I watched it that it was just trying to be far more cute than he really needed to be, although perhaps like he really just decided that was the best way to, to try to score a goal here. Um, I didn't necessarily see it, but Salah has scored a lot more Premier League goals than I have. So really who am I to tell him what kind of finish to take? Um, Brentford are just a really fun team to watch. Aren't they? Uh, it's just something about the way that they press, they keep coming at you. They've got, you know, kind of like what we were saying about Antonio, like, Ivan Tony is just like this really like good throwback striker of just like a physical presence and throws himself around. Uh, he he interestingly enough has the uh, has the most fouls committed on this uh, Brentford team, which I, I find quite humorous. Um, like he's just a very aggressive player, 
and and often delivers the goods for them. I and it's just I don't know. Like he puts himself out there, really excellent on the day. And and you're right. Like his Brentford team just like keeps coming back. They never like it. Almost remind not to get too carried away with this, but like there there were times last year with Leeds where it's just like they were just a relentlessly attacking team that just seemed to always believe that they could come back on you. And like they had the great game against Liverpool uh, and that sort of thing. At Brentford feel a little bit like that, where it's just like it seems like they don't give a fuck. Like they're just going to keep coming. Like they, there's no thoughts about like whether Liverpool could expose them, score on them, and that they're they're not worried about it. They're just trying to win the game. And I, fair play, like if you look at them, like I, this was not an accident. Brentford played very very well in this game and deserved to get something from it. And Liverpool had their chances and they should have put them away. And they let them hang around and got punished for it. Yeah, uh, completely agree. And yours truly went ahead and ordered a 82-83 retro Brentford football club jersey. So I'm going to be rocking that out very, very soon as well. Um, moving on to the next game, Southampton nil. Wolves won a big, big win for Wolves. A very emotional moment out there for Wolves fans as well as they saw Raul Jimenez score his first goal after returning from a horrific uh, head injury. I mean, I was watching that and I was almost in tears because it, it just, it just felt nice. You know, like when there's, there's so much negativity in football nowadays, like all of the nonsense that goes on, like to have a moment like that where you can just appreciate, like, this is why you love the game kind of a moment. Like that's what, uh, it felt with Raul Jimenez scoring that goal and credit to Wolves. I thought they played really decent and Southampton overall, like again, another game they should have created more. They did not. And um, here we are. Yeah, I, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Like, I think that I think these two teams played pretty evenly about. I think you think Southampton created a few chances, but nothing like really that great. And then like when it came down to it, like Jimenez was, was just kind of the man for a few seconds. And 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 just like there wasn't anything fancy about it he was just a better player than his direct opponent and went and went and took over a situation and it's kind of a little bit of what you saw of i don't want to say the the old Jimenez but like when Jimenez was on like top of his game like there was a lot of him just like going out and out physical like just being a bigger stronger player than his opponent and, and getting a lot of goals for this Wolves team and I, you know if he gets some of that back like Wolves might be a little bit better team than I gave them credit for this year because I, I I definitely had them as in a relegation fight they might still prove to be around there like they've done the thing where they've looked good at times and looked terrible at times we'll, we'll see how that like really goes but um, credit to them like it's a it's a hard worked win and you know very very nice to see him and as good as goal yeah 100 percent. let's move on to the next game the game of the weekend for at least you and most of the red half or not most pretty much everybody in the red half of north london arsenal three tottenham one an absolutely blistering performance from arsenal in that first 45 tore tottenham to shreds I'm gonna let you take it up from there and tell me how you were feeling. I I have mostly just like what it well not watched it at work because I, I was actually doing my job, but like I I had the highlights on for I, 
in the background at least twice today. Like it was just, it, it felt so good to just go and, and bask in, in all of that. And it's like, it's like, there's lots of things making around today, whether it's like Ian Wright yelling, it's a great day over and over again after Saka scores his goal. Uh, like there's Tony Adams on there with a shit eating grin uh, in, in the coverage. Like it, it's just, it, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun, um, being an Arsenal fan, and is a lot of just finally good to see this team kind of click a little bit. Like I think that after the start, you could kind of excuse them for you know not really taking Norwich apart and only winning one nil. Uh, Burnley at Turf Moor is a whole nother discussion, um, but really to see it just all come together here, it's the new signings, it's like just the way that the academy kids play like it's just so so good to see and like even just to see like arteta like just go absolutely nuts celebrating these goals and like jumping up and like i i don't like at one point it looked like he was about to cross over into the other technical box and, and like had to be restrained like it's was just so much fun to watch all the way around from an arsenal fan um I, there's there's not really enough you can say about it. Like every player on there felt like they had a good game. I can't single anyone out and say that they weren't up for it and and didn't couldn't play for it. Like it, it was just some really good performances all the way around from this team. I Odegaard, you know, like he's a guy who didn't have that much as far as like the goal assist tally, but like he just made a lot of things happen this game. Uh, obviously, Smith Rowe goal assist. Uh, Saka goal assist, like just really, really strong performances from everyone. And uh, it's been a real quiet, like past 24 hours for the Arteta out um, group. And so I, I'm very happy to see it. I'm just very, very happy for Arteta right now. Yeah, it felt very, very amazing. I will never forgive Harry Kane for not scoring that 1v1, which would have secured me $250 but here we are life moves on and uh, as somebody as a neutral who watched that game I will just say that while Arsenal were brilliant all of the first half the second half there were moments that had Kane taken his chance had I mean Son already scored like we could be talking about a, a little bit different uh, kind of a game. Obviously that didn't happen. So we don't need to go too much in depth about that. I do want to know your opinion. Like, do you think they should have had a penalty where or Kane got kicked or like at least the referee goes onto the screen and looks at that? Um, huh. Putting on my nonpartisan hat. Um, yeah, the ref probably should have looked at it and, and there's a good argument for it being a penalty. I, I will say it's one of those, it, it's the kind of penalty that I hate where it's like, it's at the edge of the box. There's no real threat for it. And so it's like, you take it from a kind of innocuous challenge to giving them the best goal scoring opportunity in football. Like I, I that penalty just annoys me when it's called like that. But I, it's hard to argue it's not a foul in the box. Like, it, it's just at the end of the day, like, it's hard to argue it's not that. Taking off my nonpartisan hat and putting my Arsenal hat on, fuck them. Yeah, that is very, very fair. Uh, moving on to the last game of the weekend Crystal Palace against Brighton. I had completely 
um, forgotten the whole documentary I watched about the rivalry between these two clubs and so on. So it was funny that this is their derby. It's the Eagles against the Seagulls. So, but that did not stop the fans at Salford's Park making it an absolutely incredible atmosphere for the game. And it, for me, the game lived up to it. Like Crystal Palace came out, had a game plan, executed the game plan really, really well. Brighton looked horrendous. I needed a fucking shot on target from Connor Gallagher to win $900. And you, Chelsea piece of shit, let me down. So that's all I got to say about him. But it was just hilarious because you see Zaha score the goal and like cup his ears and have that celebration. And out of all people at the very end, a straight ball from Veltman over the top. I like Crystal Palace, you were so organized the whole game. The whole game, they made sure there was none of that nonsense. They made sure they cleared the balls, cleared their lines, and that right before the final whistle fell asleep and, you know, ended up conceding the goal and a very well-taken goal by Neil Mope. Uh, Tim Howard had an interesting point in the, the post-match uh, that, that, that really resonated with me where he was like, the, if you look at the way that um, Palace were set up for that kick, it's, it's to kick it on the right side, like out towards... Uh, you had the right back and and Benteke I think was out there um to to contest for the ball and it's just like he slips a little bit miss kicks it and you know all of a sudden it's a turnover it's there's no pressure on the ball and now that you've completely like rotated your defense over like there's room in for like Mape to slide behind and it's a it's a like I said it's a pretty simple pass and then Mape just like dinks it over the keeper. Like it's a it's a nice finish from Mape. Like it's you know credit to him for that. Um, but it really felt like it's a disservice to the game overall because like I felt Crystal Palace were just the better team this day. Like I felt like they you know I, they created better chances. Like I feel like they were uh, especially the first half that they were just very much on top of the game and. Like I said, they fell asleep for a moment and got punished for it. Like it's, uh, that's how this game goes sometimes. But uh, unfortunate, Palace will definitely feel like it's two points dropped. Uh, but I will say I was impressed with the play overall from Palace, even if they ended up just short at the end. Yeah, I will very much agree with that. And to be honest, credit to Brighton. It uh, is not easy to go get a draw at Sellers Park when you're down, when like nothing has gone your way all day. So. Grant Potter and Brighton seem to be doing something right this season. And I mean, their league position this year compared to where they were last year really tells you the story. I think they take on Arsenal next. Uh, that should be a very, very entertaining game in my opinion. But if you really want to know what my opinion and my thoughts are and what Braden's opinion and his thoughts are for all the 10 remaining games, Join us later this week. We'll be back with our preview before the international break for the last round of Premier League games. And on that note, that is it from us. And we will see you later this week. Cheers.